I'm Jordan McKinnis with McKinnis Farms in Montalba, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I'm always glad when you take time to join me for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton planters are rolling across Texas as crop insurance deadlines are near. And with the insurance price as high as it is this year, it's definitely worth getting those seed in the ground. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. West Texas A&M University has long been an important institution for Texas High Plains agriculture. And the Texas A&M system is making moves to make WT even stronger. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Cotton planting has started on the South Plains of West Texas, where more rainfall is still needed as the crop begins its growing stages here in late spring. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. A new program from the Department of Agriculture will help cover losses stemming from natural disasters in 2020 and 2021. I'm Michael Clements, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Crop insurance planting deadlines vary across Texas, but a big percentage of our cotton crop is grown in the Southern Plains and the Panhandle. And planting deadlines for many of those farmers are coming up fast. Gerald Key with Adobe Walls Gin and Spearman says it just makes sense to get a crop in the ground this year with the insurance price so high. Well, with the price of the insurance right now, it's over a dollar. So I'm certain this dry land's going to go in one way or the other, especially guys that have pretty decent yields on the dry land cotton. Hopefully they'll put it in and we'll start raining and they'll make a good crop and we won't have to worry about insurance. But the insurance factor is real, and it's over a dollar when you put the cotton and the seed together. And hopefully the recent rains in West Texas and the Panhandle should help to get that dry land crop going. Texas sheep and goat producers have been culling herds because of the drought. Benny Cox of Producers Livestock in San Angelo says hard culling and supplemental feed may be a good plan to try to save your productive females. You know, there's a lot of places where they've got that big old dry stuff that's worth very little. But with some supplemental feed, you might be able to keep your, you know, your mature females, productive females. I'd go in there and cut off that old end. I would, like we're seeing, I would both cattle, sheep, goats as well, go in there and take those take those kids, those lambs or those, those calves off and sell them early 
Uh, we've sold lots of these hair sheep lambs weighing in the 30 to 45 pound range. And, uh, you know, those sisters, if you give them just a little bit of help, and people around here are pretty well accustomed to not feeding sheep or goats a lot of times, uh, maybe give them a little bit of assistance, then you might be able to save, you know, save some of those sisters uh, so you stay in business. So feeding some supplement may do the trick, but if you have to resort to feeding hay, Cox says he thinks you're in a bad situation and the best option may be to liquidate. However, Mother Nature could offer one saving grace soon in the form of mesquite. Now, we're going to have a big crop of of uh, mesquite beans in this area, and I think that'd probably be true as you go west of here, and that can change the sheep and goat the complexion of their, you know, they can get fat on those things in a, in a, in a short period of time. And so that may be, that may be our, our opportunity, uh, you know, here in another month or so. That's Benny Cox. He's with producers and Cargyle in San Angelo. West Texas A&M has long been an important institution for Texas High Plains agriculture. James Hunt tells us the Texas A&M system is working to make that university even stronger. Texas A&M University System Chancellor John Sharp says relocating the Texas A&M AgriLife Research and Extension Center from Amarillo to Canyon helps fulfill the vision of growing the agriculture programs at West Texas A&M. We'll have on Russell Long Boulevard an agriculture complex that 90% of the land-grant colleges in the United States do not have. This is special. If you're a kid that wants to major in agriculture, ain't really any sense going past this. That Russell Long Boulevard Chancellor Sharp referred to is already home to a number of ag facilities, including West Texas A&M's Agricultural Sciences Complex, the local Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab, and the Veterinary Education Research and Outreach Building. And when the new AgriLife Center joins the neighborhood, AgriLife Center Director Brent Overman says having new facilities to work in will enhance research efforts. Our building in Amarillo is pretty old, and the laboratory facilities and the meeting facilities, they're not what you're used to now in the modern sense of a university, a land-grant system, and so forth. So we're going to have modern laboratories that allow us to install and maintain the cutting-edge equipment that is available to us. And while it is nice to hear WTB described as an agriculture university of national stature, WT President Walter Wendler says the university's attention remains local. My goal is to have us at WT, with the help of the Texas A&M University system and Texas A&M University, be a very uh, responsive, regionally focused research institution solving regional problems. Groundbreaking on the $30 million center is expected next year, with the opening set for early 2024. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Cotton planting is well underway in West Texas. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a Lubbock area farmer for an update. We go out to West Texas now where Eddie Griffiths is standing by in the Lubbock area to give us a progress report on cotton planting in the region, Eddie. Yeah, Tom, we are into cotton planting right now and pretty much everybody's been holding off waiting for a substantial rain to try to get seed in the ground. We've had a couple of showers, but not sure that it's not going to be too little too late as, as far as planting is concerned. If we, we can get some more moisture in a few days, that would definitely be beneficial. You see planters in the field, but not what you would normally see under normal 
conditions. So it's been hot, dry, received rain this week. But as soon as we get the moisture, we get the winds to follow that'll dry it back out. So guys are just going to be trying to, to beat the deadline at this point for insurance purposes and get it to the ground by their insured planting date and hoping for moisture to get it to germinate and get it out of the ground. What is that insured planting date? Around Lubbock, it is going to be June the 5th. Then as we go south, it moves to June the 10th. So still a few days to get that crop in the ground. But with the price seed and inputs, you want to make sure that try to alleviate some of the uh, extra cost. And then, of course, hope and pray for rain because this is uh, dryland cotton we're talking about. Yeah, and we've talked about it on this program before that primarily in this region, you can look at about half, if not more than half, being dry land acres here in this area. So you're definitely hoping that you get moisture to get that crop out of the ground. Otherwise, you're going to be fighting dirt all summer long. What else can you tell us about uh, the attitude of uh, cotton farmers in that region right now as they're trying to get the seed in the ground? I think guys are trying their best to be optimistic about this planting season. But what you're looking at right now, even with these rains that we've gotten, in some cases, you know, half inch to three quarters of an inch, that's enough to get the crop germinated and out of the ground. But I, I think that's where the optimism runs out is there's no deep sub moisture there to carry it along later on into the summer when possibly we could get some more moisture or we may not. That is Eddie Griffiths reporting for us today from West Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new program from the Department of Agriculture will help cover losses stemming from natural disasters in 2020 and 2021. Michael Clements has the story from Washington. The new emergency relief program announced this week by the Department of Agriculture will help cover the billions of dollars in losses from natural disasters in recent years. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Danny Munch explains the program. This new ERP program is basically a revamped version of the old WIP Plus program and will provide $6 billion in ad hoc disaster assistance for producers who experience qualifying losses from severe weather events in 2020 and 2021. ERP includes losses from events like wildfires, hurricanes, flooding freezes, derechos, and also drought under the D3 and D4 categories, as well as D2 after eight consecutive weeks. It also covers losses from related conditions that occurred concurrently to major disasters like smoke exposure during wildfires. Munch says under phase one of the program, USDA will be sending pre-filled applications to eligible producers. This is supposed to happen within the next few weeks. Producers will then have to return their completed and signed pre-filled applications to their local FSA office and should expect to receive payments in June, July. Producers who did not have crop insurance or NAP coverage, did not receive an indemnity, or had an area-based policy, will not be sent a pre-filled application. If you don't receive a pre-filled application, you'll have to wait for phase two of the program. Again, for those that qualify under phase one of ERP, they will be sent pre-filled applications based on their existing FSA information. For those that don't get a pre-filled application, they unfortunately will have to wait for information on phase two of the program to be announced. Also, we have a few payment examples available on our Market Intel website for farmers to review and see how they might be able to benefit. Learn more at fb.org slash marketintel. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. You may be surprised at the best age to socialize new puppies. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. 
Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. You may be surprised at the best age to socialize new puppies. Dr. Bob Judd says a fellow veterinary behaviorist, Dr. Valerie Tynes, believes this should happen at a very early age. And Dr. Tynes is a member of the Texas Veterinary Medical Association, and she indicates that TexVet Pets that the period for socialization of new puppies is from three weeks to three months of age. This makes socialization difficult, as most puppies are not even weaned until six to eight weeks, so when the new owners receive the puppy, they have already missed the first three to five weeks of socialization time, depending on when they receive the puppy. It would be a good idea for breeders to start socializing puppies prior to selling them at six to eight weeks of age. However, it is labor-intensive, and most breeders with large numbers of puppies do not have time to socialize puppies. Also, there is some risk in exposing unvaccinated puppies to other dogs and other people due to disease concerns. Likely, the best option is for breeders to try and socialize the puppies by handling them starting at three weeks, and then the new owners should start socializing as soon as they get the new puppy. Make sure puppy is started on vaccinations by six to eight weeks of age, and a couple of weeks after the second distemper parvo vaccine, the puppy should have temporary protection and more aggressive socialization should begin. Dr. Tynes also indicates that socialization is more than just exposure to other pets and people, as the exposure needs to be positive. Carry a bag of dog treats broken into small pieces, and every person that meets the pet should give the pet a treat, including at the veterinary clinic. Treats should be offered constantly during any new learning experience. And although socialization decreases at 12 weeks, it is still a good idea to continue these practices until the dog is one year of age. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Summer is getting underway, and it's time for everyone to do their part to protect Texas waterways. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. If you plan on heading to the river or lake this summer, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking you to do your part to help prevent the spread of invasive species in Texas waters. Brian Van Zee, TPWD's Inland Fisheries Regional Director, said while they want everyone to have a great time, they also want boaters, paddlers, and anglers to avoid giving free rides to invasive species and helping them spread to new lakes. He said the best way to prevent the spread of destructive invasive species like zebra mussels is to clean, drain, and dry your boats and equipment every time you leave a Texas lake. According to TPWD, zebra mussels and giant salvinia remain some of the biggest threats to Texas lakes, but there are others, including water hyacinth, crested floating heart, and quagga mussels. To help prevent the spread of these species, the first step is to remove all plants, mud, and debris from both boats, trailers, vehicles, and gear before leaving a lake. Drain all of the water from the boat, equipment, and onboard receptacles. Dry down boats and equipment completely before visiting another lake. 
If you cannot dry your equipment and boat, TPWD recommends washing the boat in compartments with a car wash or a spray nozzle on a water hose before visiting another lake. If you have stored your watercraft on a lake with invasive species like zebra mussels, TPWD says it's probably infested. Before moving that boat to another water body, contact the Department for information on the decontamination process. Additional details, along with an instructional video, are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's YouTube channel. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time for a look at the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. After absorbing the weaker cash cattle trade on Wednesday, the live cattle market traded on both sides of even on Thursday. June live cattle up a dime to 132.40. August live cattle up 7 cents to 132.60. May feeder cattle down 2 cents to 154.57. August feeder cattle down $1.27 Thursday to 166.67. Boxed beef was higher. Choice up $1.21 to $264.14. Select up $1.29 to $245.35. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy sell that calf, it's time to head to Giddings. Talk to my friend Phil Brockenbush of Giddings Livestock about his sale he had on Monday. Phil, how many noses did you count? It was good, Larry. We wound up with 1,346 cattle. Good. Walk the pins with us. All right. The steers, 300 back, average around 181, bring up 215. Three to four weights, 175 to 195. Four to five weights, 153 to 172 and a half. Five to six weights, 145 to 165. Six to seven weights, 141 to 161. Seven to eight weights, 121 to 147. Heifer mates, 300 back, average around 156, bring up to 195. Three to four weights, 148 to 182 and a half. Four to five weights, 144 to 172 and a half. Five to six weights, 139 to 161. Six to seven weights, 125 to 152 and a half. And there wasn't many heifers. Seven to 800 pounds. How about the cow part of it? Well, the cows are cheaper. The best cow brought 80. So the top cows, you know, the high yielding cows, 70 to 80. The medium yielding cows, 50 to 69. The thin cows, 25 to 49. The bulls, the high yielding bulls, 90 to 110. The medium yielding bulls. 
was 80 to 89. Well, it sounds like yeah. you had a, had a pretty good sale then. No, it was good. It was good. We had some pears. And the pears kind of bring up to 1475, that little old sellout deal we had. And the bread cows, the best one brought 1275, kind of from 700 to 1275. So it was good. Good. Now, no sale this week, this next week. No, no, sir. No sale this week, but we're having a goat roping on Monday. All right. Well, y'all have a good time and tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Uh, you can call me at 979-716-4395 or call the barn at 979-542-2274. Thank you, Phil, and thank you, Texas neighbors, for listening to me, Larry Marble, on Walking the Pins and the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Until tomorrow, good day. Lean hogs rallied on Thursday due to strong demand and good export interest. June lean hogs up $2.05 to 111.10. July lean hogs up $3.87 to 111.82. May class 3 milk was up 7 cents to 25.18 a hundredweight. June class 3 milk up 6 cents to 24.26 a hundredweight. July cotton down 455 points to 140.61. October cotton down 224 points to 131.52. That after the U.S. Department of Agriculture released a negative weekly export report on Thursday. Corn also fell Thursday due to a lackluster export report from USDA. July corn down seven and a quarter to 765. September corn down five and three quarters to 734. Wheat too was impacted by a lackluster export report. July hard red wheat down four and three quarters to 1228 and a half. September hard red wheat down four and a quarter to 1234 even. June natural gas fell 18 cents Thursday to 8.78. July natural gas down 23 cents to 8.75. Crude oil hit a two-month high on Thursday due to expected tight supplies during the summer driving season. July crude oil up $3.82 to 114.15. August crude oil up $3.57 to 111.32. The Dow up 550 points to 32,670. The S&P 500 up 79 points to 4,058. The Nasdaq up 305 points to 11,740. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to check us out next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.